Hey there, welcome back to season three of Deconstructing the Myth, a season full of conversations about how to move forward with life during and after deconstruction. I had such a fun chat today with Alana Sabatini. She is a singer-songwriter who has taken the internet by storm with some hauntingly beautiful exvangelical rewrites of traditional hymns. We talk about her deconstruction journey, sexuality, and how that intersected with music making for her. Alana, I love that I'm interviewing you right now because I can already tell this is going to be a fun interview because mm-hmm. we already did this once. <laughs> yep. And we were very polite and, you know, hello, nice yeah. to meet you. But Because we didn't know each other. We didn't. And now I'm like, we've talked a lot since then and your life has drastically changed since then. Oh, in many yeah. Ways. So we're <laughs> just redoing the interview. Yeah. Me. But I'm really glad that we're doing this and you're willing (laughs) yeah well and your song is about to come out although Mm -hmm. at the time of this airing it will be out there's so many things so many things but um i will just tell my listeners i reached out to you because you did an amazing cover a redone hymn true colors um is what you are calling it and you're releasing it which is really exciting and um i'm trying to think was it come out Come thou fount, right? Is that the original yeah. song? Okay, <laughs> I had a yeah, brain it's... blip. <laughs> I was like, Wait, which hymn is this? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right. "Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing." Yes, and you have remade it. And let me tell you, when you sent me, um, I, is it the mastered version? Is the final version what I get a, got a little sneak peek of? Yeah, it reduced yeah. me to tears, which does take me it takes me a little bit to get there with music i think because i've done recording too so i'm kind of analytical when i listen but i was like oh there's something here that is going to move so many people i can tell and so anyway yeah when you so just to tell your listeners she sent me a video like a brief video of her face right after she listened to it and it just like hit me and then i started crying i was like oh my god this is like such a powerful vulnerable moment it was i thought i guess you can tell when you're in podcasting or recording when you're like i have to show her my actual yeah. reaction on camera yes. but i did because there's something about seeing it that hits a little different than just like hey there is. i cried <laughs> so. it was like special to me so thank you for Aww. sending me that well thanks i felt a little afterwards you ever see the people online who are like showing themselves super emotional and then they have a they've made a reel out of it that's gotten like millions of views i'm like is that what i just did have i yes. crossed the threshold that is exploiting <laughs> that's exploiting your emotion for clout this was different this okay. was like i don't know just for connection you. well i meant yeah. it because i think it is truly genius what you did there so we'll talk about that in a little bit but could you just tell us a little bit about you as a person and especially concerning you know your deconstruction and where you started spiritually and where you are today which I'm kind of curious because it might be different than last time we talked I don't know so yeah sure yeah um so I grew up in Michigan um very Christian home my parents raised me in uh, a Nazarene church which if you don't know anything about the different denominations Nazarene is super um legalistic very Mm. you know very strict about their rules um and they also enrolled me in the Christian school that was connected to that church. So it was like very strict, uh, private Christian school. So that shaped my life up until middle school. And then I joined um, their youth group band. And ever since then, I was really involved in music. My dad was um, the drummer in their main worship band. And I think he was also on the board. So I wasn't technically a pastor's kid, but it, it definitely had like pastor's kid vibes. Okay. So um me and my dad were pretty much known throughout the church as like the the talented father-daughter you know and from a young age I was kind of thrust into the spotlight and my my little ego loved it you know (laughs) it's like a it's like a young teenager um being put into such a high leadership position um it like really puffed me up and I thought I was better than everyone (laughs) and so I like I look back on it now and simultaneously hate it but also give myself grace like I was so young and I needed better leadership not not in like a controlling way but in like a like hey this is what it means to be a human type of way you know I I got promoted more and more from there I ended up joining staff uh I started producing tracks for them 
uh, once I graduated high school. And then that was when I was kind of working for them full time. It's also how I got my start producing music. So I will give credit there. Like yeah. I'm really appreciative for how much I learned when I was on staff um, producing music and I learned how to play bass there and all this stuff. So I left that job in 2018 and I moved across the state to go to a worship school and this worship school wasn't affiliated with that church that I was going to. It was at a like charismatic Pentecostal type church. It was um, also a lot bigger than the church I was used to. And so there was a lot more people. It was a lot more like emotionally based, emotionally driven um, type worship, which is which really like spoke to me and mm -hmm. I really resonated with. And so I immediately just like grasped onto that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. After I graduated going to that school. I ended up joining their staff as well, so I just kind of like planted my roots um, in this new city, and then it started coming out that I was attracted to women, and this was something that I never accepted about myself, but like it was at some point I couldn't ignore it anymore, and so mm. I told my best friend and one other friend, and my best friend and I decided that we should probably get ahead of the, the crap storm that was probably mm. about to come. Yeah. <laughs> so we decided to tell one of our mentors on the worship team, because, again, at this point, I'm on staff. Like, if it gets out that Alana might be attracted to women, uh, you know, hell might rain down on the mm. whole church or something. Yeah. That was the narrative being pushed for sure. So we told our mentor. We handled it as well as we could in the system. But that mentor ended up outing me to the rest of the staff and all the pastors. And then, mm -hmm. like, my best friend and I were living together at the time. They tried to, like, separate us and get us to move into different places. And it was so controlling. Wow. And it was at that point, because I was, like, I wasn't sleeping. I was, like, so deep in shame. And it was, yeah. like, I, I never felt worse than I did in those few months of my life. So at that point, I was like, something's wrong here. Mm, and yeah. I finally reached a breaking point where one of the pastors, once I like put in my two weeks to leave staff, um, he met with me to talk about the practical things about me leaving. Um, and it was just supposed to be like, a, hey, this is who you're training. This is how that's going to go down. This is your last day. Like, here's all the paperwork you need to fill out. It was one of those meetings. But then at the end, he brought in another pastor and was like, so have you moved out from like living with your best friend yet what? you need to set a date like i we decided that this would be best for you guys and you need to just set a date that you will be out by that time but and he, he didn't offer to help what? yeah yeah exactly so like i that was the that was the final straw for me i was like this is ridiculous um in the moment i i didn't say any of this because i was just like so shocked like i was just yeah. crying and it was it was horrible but after that i was like yeah okay this isn't good um, he's overstepping all sorts of boundaries here. I feel good about my living situation. My best friend feels good about our living situation. Like, we've talked all this through. We're doing great. Yeah. Who is he to make this very personal decision for us, you know? Mm. So I ended up having a meeting with him, and I was quarantined because of COVID exposure when this all happened which like was good for me I think if I did it in person I would have been a, a giant mess and wouldn't have been able to get my words out but yeah. so I facetimed with this pastor that was trying to like force us apart and like overstepping all the bounds and I was like hey so if we want your help we will ask for it you said this and this in this meeting and it really like hurt me and I don't want to play on the worship team anymore I know you expect me to come back after like a short break but this isn't for me. Mm. And he respected that, thankfully. And he was like, okay, like, I apologize. And then he called my best friend 20 minutes after we got off the phone and apologized to her, too. So, well, that's good, at least. That was the end of that. Yeah. Clean, um, clean cut. I mean, not really completely clean, clean cut, but at least sort of clean. It was, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like for the circumstances, it was the cleanest it could have been, you yeah. know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, but, before you go on, I'm just realizing hmm. now, tell me if I'm hearing this correctly. So you basically consciously became aware that you were attracted to women. And then at the same time, and base, you're basically dealing with 
telling people, having that affect your job, having that affect how your community looks. Like it, it's all kind of in the same. Because I was thinking, I think and you probably told me this before, but I think I was thinking like, okay, she had that first uh, realization, and then down the road this happened. So it was just like a giant mess of everything at once. Oh Is yeah, that no. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like. It, it might have been maybe a few weeks between, like, me realizing it and then me working up the courage to tell my two friends. Okay. But, yeah, it was, like, right in the same month. It was actually around this time. Oh, um, wild. Back in 2020. So, like, my body is honestly feeling it. Mm-hmm. My body remembers things for sure. Wow. But, yeah, so it all happened in, like, July, beginning of August. I don't know if I've ever put that together that it happened in such a short time. Yeah, well, it is wild to me because I I think need to think about like how, what that would be like for a human being to go through on its own. So, yeah, man, I don't know to have to go through that and then have to have all this shame and these people looking at you and expecting you to change your life. All like I I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, fault. and at first like I trusted them because I had trusted them for years. Like they were my my leaders at school and they were like awesome to me before this. And so I was like, mm-hmm. they know what's best. Like, I believe that I am doing something wrong, and it's, like, a sin issue that I need to change. And that's why I was so deep in shame, and, like, I wasn't sleeping, and I could feel, like, my muscles were all tensed up because I was, like, fighting against myself during this time. Hmm. And so it was, like, that was also another part of it that was crazy because once I, like, reached that final straw moment, I realized, okay, maybe I'm not wrong. And so that was, like, a whole reversal of, like, what I had believed. And that's just kind of, like, a whiplash thing to have to go through on its own, let alone with all this, like, changing of people around me and support system and, like, all this stuff. Yeah. So it was insane. That is wild. Would yeah. you? Can we talk a little bit about that? Because mm-hmm. if you are open to it. Because I have had people on here, you know, that have been <laughs> gay or bi or whatever, and we've talked about it and then kind of moved on. But I... feel like we need to address what part that plays in deconstruction a little more so if you're willing to i would love to know i guess your thought process from you know this realization it sounds like at the start you were like oh okay this is a sin and like what could you walk us through a little bit if it's not too painful because if it is we don't have to but just how did that thought process change um from saying oh i noticed no i'm good to share that okay yeah that would be great yeah so at first it was like I started realizing it. Um, I classified it in my mind as temptation, quote unquote. Okay. Uh, especially when I would see like TikToks with queer people in them, I would feel this like raging jealousy in me that like I couldn't do that. I was like, mm-hmm. and then I would recognize that as like, no, that's just like my sinful nature, like you know, trying to tempt me to sin, yeah. all this stuff. So that internal fight got like so loud in my mind over that like three weeks or something before I told those two friends and then we were like having dinner one night the three of us and they were talking about like random like bad quote-unquote stuff that they did Mm -hmm. and they were like what about you Alana you're like I don't I feel like you've never done anything bad and then like this welled up inside me and I like confessed as if it was a sin Mm -hmm. and it was the first time I had ever spoken it out loud to anyone so It was definitely like a in like a confession type of okay. sentence coming out of my mouth. Yeah. So then that morphed into um going to the mentor, accepting the fact that I need to be fixed and then like adopting that as my mentality, like I am broken, I need to be fixed, like kind of in the public eye at the same time just because I was outed to all these pastors who knew me intimately. Uh, and then it wasn't until that meeting with that pastor where he overstepped all sorts of boundaries that I was like paying attention to my body for the first time and paying attention to like my own ability to make decisions, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad sent me during this time while I was like going back and forth about whether I should leave this church. Um, and I was talking to my dad about it because he and I are super close and he sent me a, a list of Bible verses that essentially said, don't put all your trust in humans or like, don't allow other people to be the final authority in your life. Like mm-hmm. there were certain Bible verses that said like, that is like between you and God or like, it's your life essentially. Um, 
and I remember that really striking me because I took this church's word, like all the pastor's words, as like the final authority on what is said in the Bible and what yeah. being a Christian is supposed to look like. And so when I read these verses, I was like, boom, that's it. <laughs> and so I still saw my queerness as a sin at that time. And I did until maybe a year later. But for the first time, I started to trust myself. And that was the beginning of the end of that mentality, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So being being raised in an environment where I was supposed to not trust myself at all was what made me repress all this stuff. And then mm. moving out of Michigan, and now I live in Nashville, Tennessee, was like a really big step because then I was around all new people. I was in a new workplace. I could kind of like dip my dip my toe in the water so to speak of like trying to reframe my identity and like how I saw myself and how I presented myself to the world and that was really when I started to explore what if I do start wearing more like stereotypically lesbian clothes which I had mm -hmm. always loved wearing but I would always like hide that to appear more normal mm -hmm. I started feeling better once I did and so it was like little baby steps like that um, and at the same time I was kind of still under the umbrella of Christianity, but allowing myself to question a lot more because I was trusting myself and therefore trusting my questions. So it was like all connected of accepting my queerness and accepting that, I don't know, the, the faith system I grew up in might not be completely true or like right, you know? Can you tell us a little bit how your thoughts on God and religion and maybe, you know, the version of Christianity you had grown up with, how those tenets also changed during this time. Yeah. So one of the main pieces of me accepting myself was hanging out with other queer people for the first time and just realizing how much more loved I felt by those people, hmm. how much more loved and accepted. And it wasn't just because I was kind of queer. Like at that point, I, it was just a kind of... Um, <laughs> But like, like, like kind of pregnant, right? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> like under the surface, I was fully, fully queer, but like you know, I I wasn't I, fully accepting of it I yet. I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, everyone was so accepting of everyone, and I noticed that like whether uh, it was a straight person that I was hanging out with or like fully queer people or like all these trans people that I met for the first time like everyone loved each other so much and I was like isn't that what Jesus talks about in the Bible yeah. like loving everyone accepting everyone accepting the people who are like pushed to the margins by all of society you know mm -hmm. and so that was like the first big mental note I made of like okay that's not matching up with the religion I grew up in it's not matching up with the even the teachings of Jesus which yeah isn't matching up with the religion I grew up in. So mm -hmm. that was the first time I really noticed that like discrepancy. And then from there, I was like, okay, if this like pure, wonderful love exists outside of Christianity, because like, of course there are Christian queer people, but the ones I was hanging out with were not. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, what if it's not confined to just one religion? What if it's not about believing the right things, following the right rules in order to have this like anointing of love to give to other people, which is what I was always taught it was. Like the Holy Spirit is what enables you to like truly love yeah. people. Yeah. And so I just was experiencing it for the first time for myself that that is not true. Yeah. And even as I started stepping back more and more from Christianity just to take a look at it, I felt myself loving myself more and therefore being able to love others more and in a more accepting way, which is actual love I learned at that time. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, if God is love and Jesus's whole message was to love one another, like that's the biggest commandment. He says, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. Like it's all about love. But the religion I grew up in kind of beats that out of me. So it must not be true, you know? So it's so interesting. Yeah. That that was like the process. And then I, I really tried to keep the Christian label just to make people in my life happy. And I didn't realize that until 
like late 2021 after I had moved to Nashville and I like I told my best friend like hey I recommitted my life to Jesus like last night or something and she was all excited for me and it was like I had pure intentions but then literally in the next week I just realized that I only was telling people that so that they wouldn't worry about me anymore Hmm, and I was like this is like my spirituality is about me it's about like what I believe and what I need and what resonates for me, what works for me. And so if I'm only doing this to, I don't know, make other people less concerned about me, then it's not my spirituality. And so that was when I finally was like, okay, I'm completely, I'm shedding the Christian label, but I'm not like, I don't know, closing the door on that. So mm. ever since then, it's just been kind of, been a big question mark to me as long as I come back to loving people and loving myself and learning how to do those two things better that's how I define my spirituality now if that makes sense I love that that's yeah like you said that is tied to the uh to the command Jesus gave but yeah it's so interesting because I've been talking to a lot of people about this label Christian which is something I never thought I'd give up. And I have been on the fence recently because what it has come to mean is just so many things that are so problematic, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's just really interesting to me. Okay, let's, let's get into how this impacted your music because music has been really important to you um, for a long time and you got your start in church. And I don't know about you because I, I was also a worship leader um, and different, I, I don't think nearly to the level you were. And, and that ended up being a blessing actually, because like you had more um, hell to pay, <laughs> I feel like as a yes, result I did. of it. <laughs> but um, I'm... I like, I genuinely am like thankful for the, the friends I grew up with who didn't get as involved as I did because they yeah. still have music in their lives. And it took me years uh, to unravel yeah. all that I was like, you know, woven into Okay, well, tell us about that then. How did all of this impact how you created music and played music and everything? So, (laughs) yeah, so uh, I started taking piano lessons when I was like a freaking toddler, um, which was so fun. And and my parents were like so encouraging and I loved it until like middle school. Then I like wanted to quit, but my parents like, uh, not forced. <laughs> they very strongly encouraged me to continue, and I'm thankful for that. But I remember them uh, teaching me like hymns and stuff, yeah. and so that was always like a foundation of like piano lessons when I was younger. We did some classical music too. Like I am classically trained as a as a pianist, but um, my parents gave me lots of hymn books and stuff, and I just found that music really beautiful from the get go. Mm-hmm. So then when I joined uh, the youth group band at my church. They immediately were like, oh my gosh, we need keys players so bad. So I was playing like every week and I was learning all this new music because like they didn't sing any hymns. And I realized that that was super fun. And like I started experimenting with different synth sounds, which I had never done before. And so I really like grew as a keyboardist in youth group. And I was playing, like I said, every week, every retreat. I was the one called on to play keys. Um, And, you know, with playing so often your skills really grow really fast. And so like, it was like an exponential like demand for me type thing. And Mm -hmm. so when I moved into quote unquote, big church is what we called it and played in like the main church's worship band. uh, That's when I started playing bass and we played even more fun stuff, but also some hymns. And so we incorporated both. So that, that really built my foundation as a musician. I was spending all these hours per week playing both like contemporary worship music and hymns and I really came to love that like congregational aspect like there's nothing like singing together and when you're the one leading that song it's like it just hits you so differently I don't know so I just fell in love with that and that's what eventually brought me to go to worship school on the other side of the state and then introducing that like charismatic Pentecostal church element to it and having it be so like emotionally driven my little Pisces heart was just thriving (laughs) in that worship setting (laughs) like I I loved it so much so this church had a high standard and so we had a lot of really great singers uh the the harmonies were just incredible because they always scheduled so many singers on the stage every service so Mm. we had like 
full four-part harmony all the time i loved it awesome. i was thriving and so we started all like writing music because i had a, a songwriting class as a part of worship school and, and that was just the beginning like once i joined staff i was kind of part of different writing sessions and basically we would take all of our spontaneous worship uh through different services and stuff take those and write a whole song out of them and so these songs had a lot of history to us and a lot of really like emotionally tied memories to these different services that they were written in and i came to be obsessed with that like i loved that part like and that's kind of the the direction i took in my keys playing is just trying to play into the emotion of the moment and i i definitely think like emotional manipulation is a thing Mm -hmm. and i got really good at that especially when i would play during like altar calls I knew, like, what chords to play at what moments when, like, the pastor was saying certain things. And it definitely, like, brought out an emotional response both in myself and other people. Mm-hmm. And there's a fine line between that and, like, just enhancing the already there emotion in the moment. And so I started to gain an awareness of that towards the end of my time at that church and, and started to, to try to piece that apart. Mm, yeah. But even before that, like, I always knew that this was a strength of mine was like not not necessarily catering that's not the right word to people's emotions but like coming alongside their emotions mm. in the way that I play music and so fast forward a tiny bit when I left that church I like couldn't touch my piano for two years wow. and it was really difficult because that was like I said I started playing piano when I was four so it was a part of my life for two decades and then all of a sudden I like couldn't I couldn't do it I would try but I would just like get so angry and locked up and I just I could feel it wasn't right like it wasn't the time so I ended up putting my keyboard away entirely like it was just sitting in my closet for like a year and I felt like I could just be a person for the first time and I wasn't known for this thing like I was just Mm. known for being me yeah and so as frustrating as that two-year period was it was also like really healing for me to just you know figure out who I was as a person outside of this whole thing yeah so there was there was that and then um I was in a relationship briefly last year and then we broke things off and I picked up music again here and there I would like kind of took baby steps into it but I started by playing some more instrumental music I started a new like ambient project on the side that doesn't even have my name attached to it and that kind of helped me feel a little bit better about it Mm -hmm. and then so this is where we get into like how the whole come thou fount rewrite happened um (laughs) i was really depressed in february this year and it was one of those depressive episodes where i was doing everything right quote unquote and like i was going to therapy and i was taking care of myself all the things but i just could not get myself out of it And I remembered back to when I was like in worship school and stuff, the way I would get myself through those types of times was to sit down at my piano and sing worship music or hymns. Usually it was hymns. And that would always help. It would like lift, (laughs) like there's a Bible verse where uh, like they talk about David playing his harp and it would like lift Saul's spirits. That's literally what would happen when I would play music. And so I always attributed that to like the Holy Spirit lifting me out of that depression Mm -hmm. and so I I went through this like fight within myself in February this year of like great you gave that up you can't like lift your spirits again because like the Holy Spirit's Uh, not with you and all this stuff and so I was like really mad but I still sat at my keyboard anyway and I was like I started to play the actual come the fount of every blessing song because I missed that melody so much and I just got more and more mad as I sang those lyrics because I at this point didn't believe them anymore mm-hmm. and then I got up in a huff went into my bathroom and I was like I I like washed my hands or something just to get cold water onto me because for some reason that like helps ground me mm-hmm. and then I was like what if I just like went full heretic and rewrote this entire thing and the first line that came to me when I was in my bathroom was, now I'm finding my true colors. And so I was like, that's great. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go for Like, it. I was, like, talking to myself angrily this whole time. Not, like, angry towards myself, but just, like, 
oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. Yeah. Type yeah. type of deal. There was a lot of <laughs> lot of emotional release. It was good. But so yeah, I sat back down to my piano and rewrote this whole verse. And I had some friends who I knew would appreciate it, so I posted it on TikTok real quick. Like, it was just a rough little recording. And then it blew up, and here we are. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. like, I I found through that whole experience that, like, what I had been focusing on when I was in church, which is, like, coming alongside people's emotional states or, like, emotional feelings, mm-hmm. is what I'm doing now. And it kind of, it was in me the whole time. It wasn't like this outside deity making it happen. And like Mm -hmm. music is so therapeutic when it is sensitive to what people are feeling. And that's, that's like kind of what I'm leaning into now as, as like a person who doesn't identify as a Christian anymore. And I just think it's really cool that I can still tap into that and I didn't lose it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's like, it is hard to imagine music I shouldn't say completely hard because I did, I have done songwriting with a label, but performing at least has been really hard for me to imagine outside of a church setting. And I know what happens and I know people do it, but when you're, there's something about that, that is so different than even just, you know, performing, I feel like. And I think what's really neat about what you do is you find all the people who also, know what it's like to be in church and don't have a home in that music anymore and yet there's no home like they don't know how to find a home somewhere else and you've just I think it's genius honestly I think it's genius what you've done I also remember the first time we interviewed um I was like oh I love your music I know and I just saw you on Instagram I didn't know you had like this huge thing going on on TikTok and I was like see it's just it's so timely and it is so needed and people I feel like it's redeeming for people, for yeah. people who have been hurt. And, and even if it's not, you know, the song didn't necessarily hurt them or whatever, that song is tied to some of their deepest wounds and you've made it yeah. and you've made it something that can be tied to their healing now. And it's just like phenomenal, honestly. So, yeah. I'm and it's like crazy excited. too, because I see all these people telling me exactly that and I'm right there with them. It's not like yeah. I'm like 10 years into my deconstruction and I'm like, come on, like I've been through it now. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like your turn, you know, like I, I'm right there in the trenches too. Like it's only been three years since I left mm-hmm. and it's only been two years since I like officially started questioning mm-hmm. for real. Yeah. And so I, it just feels even more special to me. I don't know. Like I do have to ba- make sure I'm taking care of myself and just, mm-hmm. you know, set boundaries and all that, all that good stuff. But I, I'm like thankful though that a lot of the people who resonate with this are also just starting their deconstruction and can relate to me on such a close like <laughs> part in the journey yeah. you know I, I'm just really thankful for that too yeah well and it reminds me of what you were talking about when you would in the past write for specific services and specific things yeah. people were going through in the church in a way you know, you have brilliantly transitioned that to these, I mean, not even on purpose, but I I think of us in the deconstruction community as kind of like the spiritual misfits and like we are in our own season and we are (laughs) in our own, you know, it's not a service, but it's something where these, these sort of anthems are going to honestly stick with people like their whole life. I truly think that like what you're doing Mm -hmm. is, and I've seen, I don't know, I just think it's very special um and like for me I saw yours and I was like you know what I could do that and so I did a couple and that was super therapeutic for me too and I have trouble um songwriting for myself now and that's a little bit more tied to some stuff um career-wise but it also kind of parallels deconstruction so it, it also I think gives people permission you know so this is now out everywhere and we'll put the link in the show notes and it's so exciting and do you have an album in the works can you tell us or or what is in the works okay tell us about that yeah so before I go into that though I want to um say that I co-wrote the rest of true colors with um this artist named Ashley White and we actually met through the TikTok that I posted which is kind of wild she lives here in Nashville with me not with me um oh man she lives oh man it's coming back the church is gonna find you (laughs) (laughs) She lives here in Nashville. Uh, And 
her church ended up saying it that she goes to a very progressive church in the area that's very like lgbtq affirming and okay. they sang the song like a week after i posted it just the verse that i posted and they wanted her to help them write more verses and she decided to message me and be like hey we sung this in church i hope that's okay like they also want wow. me to like write more verses but i wanted to make sure like a you'd be okay with that or b like are you already working on verses we could just like you know use yours and something in my gut was like this is a good person like uh-huh. you should ask if they want to collab you know to like yeah. write the verses together so i asked her and she was totally on board and we did and it turned out so cool because both of our stories are similar enough that the writing process was just super easy and it flowed so naturally. Like, we didn't have to clear any ideas with each other or compromise too much. It was just like, we would throw out a line, the other person would be like, oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing, oh, and vice versa. So oh, I love that. <laughs> so, and she's also a singer and she has released an album and her voice was like perfect for what I imagined like the final version of true colors would sound like so i was like will you please be the featured vocalist on this song and she was like are you sure like this is your thing and i was like please so we compromised on that and she sang most of the song and i sang the very last like reprise with like the whole choir so but i just i wanted to share that story because the album that i'm working on i want it to be as like communal as possible just like what true colors has been Mm -hmm. like if you go listen to the song after you listen to this podcast episode, uh, <laughs> you'll hear like there's a whole choir in it. And I didn't have access to a choir or anything. I just asked people online to submit recordings of them singing. And then I ended up just mixing them all together. So it sounded like everyone was singing together. So yeah. it involves all these different people. And that was really important to me. And so co-writing with someone and featuring a different singer and like asking a, a cellist to be featured on the song as well, like that's all part of making this as like community focused as possible and featuring people's healing stories, not just my own. Cause like I said, I'm right in the trenches with everybody right now. Yeah. I would love to just like, be like, Hey, here's, here's a way for you to sing your story with me. So that's what my goal for the album is. I want to co-write with as many people as possible. I want to feature as many vocalists as possible. Like I'll be singing on it as well, but I've just never wanted it to be about me. I want it to be about all of us. And so, yeah, I I do. I have a full-length album in the works, and I'm talking to several different people about different hymns that we're rewriting together. And it's shaping up to be this really cool, like, puzzle of all these different people, like, fitting in as, like, puzzle pieces. And I just think that is the coolest thing ever. So that's that's what I'm working on. It is truly so cool. I I think it's... That's so neat. And I will tell you, uh, the the emotional um, curator that you are, when I listen to your song, like I'm sitting here, I didn't cry till the chorus actually, uh, or till the, the choir. Okay. Um, I was listening to your lyrics and I was like, dang, I was like, I need to see these written out because like I can feel there's something happening. And then when I heard all the voices and I knew you had asked all these people, it like unleashed something because it's like, I, I could I could almost imagine all the people who are going to listen who are going to kind of add their voice you know yeah. metaphorically to that chorus and it'll unleash something in them too oh it was such a cool thing I'm so yeah. glad you shared it with me ahead of time um anyway I even tear it, up just thinking about it like as you yeah. were talking just now like thinking about all those voices I'm just like oh I feel it in my face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it was so good. Ah, oh, I'm so excited Thank you. about it. Okay, so this is going to be a little bit of an awkward segue, but okay. I want to try and do it. So we, we're going to talk about an interesting evangelism moment, or I don't know what we call it. Someone trying to like evangelize to you recently, and we were going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But I actually think this does tie in to your music because I kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit what you're doing now versus kind of Alana of the past and especially versus this bizarre experience you had because I think it's something so important for people to think about especially those who still do want to affiliate with the church or still do want to identify as Christian we are taught to witness we're taught to share this good news and all this stuff but it takes on ugly shades and I think 
um, you know, the project you're working on, I, you probably would not say that this is any sort of witness or whatever, but it reminds me of similar themes of like coming alongside people with good news and, yeah. and things that are affecting us at our deepest level. And to me, in my paradigm right now, I'm like, well, yeah, that all is sacred. That all is holy. That all points back to God. That's my interpretation. But I, I, yeah, anyway, this is a long monologue to get to the point of, could you share this experience that happened to you? And then maybe you and I could talk a little bit about, um, why people tradition like why people sharing their faith with people has kind of become an unloving thing in many settings yeah so just to give you some context i work at a coffee shop that is in a very like conservative heavy area mm-hmm. and i am pretty obviously queer and so i i feel the tension of that a lot of times when i'm at work um when customers come in and usually, like, there's no problem, whatever. But, like, it is clear that I'm different than yeah. the majority of the people who come to this coffee shop. And even, like, the baristas, too. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the setting here. So the other day, uh, I was working behind the register greeting customers. And this guy comes up, and he's, like, asking me what I would recommend. He was really friendly. I was like, this guy's cool. We had a really nice little exchange. I was recommending some stuff. And then he commented on the tattoo on my hand, which is just like a a line that's a wave. And he was like, I love your squiggle tattoo. And I was like, oh, it's a wave. But like, I I can accept that it's a squiggle too. Sometimes like life be messy, LOL. Like I just made a joke out of it. It was funny exactly that because I feel like you said exactly (laughs) that I did I literally did that is what I said I was like yeah you know life be messy sometimes and he was like I fully understand (sighs) and then something changed in his eyes and he leaned forward a little bit and he goes you know when I was in my early 20s I had clinical depression and it was really bad like it just really affected my life and then in a moment I had an encounter with Jesus and everything changed and he healed me from my depression so if your life is feeling messy, like Jesus is oh, wow. powerful enough to heal you. And like my life is flashing before my eyes at this moment. And I'm like getting so angry and I'm like, I'm wanting to explode at this dude. Like I'm, I'm in an actual like trigger trauma response and I recognize it in my body in that moment. And by some otherworldly power, I was able to hold it together and I was like, yeah. I'm happy for you, man. Like, Look at we'll you. have your we'll have your order at the end of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said, "LOL, no, <laughs> LOL, life be messy." <laughs> Man, wow! No, Talk but, about messy uh, segues. I... That's a worse segue than mine earlier. That he, <laughs> so I'm feeling a little better now. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. No, but I I literally had to like turn a- away from the register. There was like another customer waiting, and I I just had to like turn and be like you got through it you're okay it's fine yeah. and then i was like hey what can i get for you <laughs> to the next customer <laughs> yeah wow so wow. yeah it it stuck with me the rest of the day i was like kind of reeling a little bit like yeah. because i used to be that person not like quite to that extent because it i was always really introverted and quiet and there was a time in my life that i was very shy and so witnessing was like big time scary for me but there were like a couple instances where if I made a connection with a barista or even with like um acquaintances like at, at school or something I would be like hey like I I used to struggle with this and then like Jesus healed me mm-hmm. and I thought that was loving at the time so like I basically would do the same thing that this dude did to me even though I was a stranger yeah. in this instance yeah so okay so when this happened you actually messaged me which I was honored that you messaged me about it um but I also we were kind of dissecting like how to think about it both of us because i like mm-hmm. you said we we've both have done that to others but being on the receiving end you get this really different kind of feeling from it it doesn't come across yeah. as loving so in the moment it definitely was a trauma response like it was all just like physiological reactions happening but once i got past that and i had time to really process what happened and what i was feeling because that is important to do when you're triggered. Um, Mm -hmm. Just rule of thumb (laughs) to myself. But um, so once I was able to really figure out what I was feeling, it just felt so violating and impersonal to me. Mm. It felt very condescending as well. Like it had this air of, I know better than you. So here's what you have to do. And he didn't know me at all. And so 
even when people who I know and who know me well tell me what I should do, I'm automatically like, bro, I'm my own person. Like, let me figure this out. I'm smart enough to handle my own life. But when it's a stranger, like, this dude doesn't know how much of my life I gave to Christianity. Like, how many encounters with Jesus I had. And I still look back on those encounters as like good experiences in my life like I I had all those things I used to be depressed and like I said when I was talking about the music stuff like I thought the Holy Spirit was what lifted me out of it Mm -hmm. so essentially what he said was exactly what I've experienced before I just like use different language for it now but he didn't know any of that he doesn't even know my name you know and so it felt really disrespectful and like a violation of my personhood and my boundaries and that I don't know. I feel like that's the best way I can put that. It was it was just an overstepping, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I, one phrase I mentioned to you that I've used, and when I use it, a lot of times my Christian friends will kind of look at me with a blank stare. Is I really think that we need to love people more than their salvation, <laughs> love people yeah. more than their salvation status, and it's like in Christianity, we we cannot separate those two. But yeah. the rest of the world is like, you don't even see me. All you see yeah. is saved or unsaved. Exactly. And like they're guessing. <laughs> That's the other thing. They're guessing like right. about you. And it's like, I don't know. It, it does feel so odd. And I haven't had that exact experience, but mm-hmm. there's definitely been people who are telling me, you know, like just get in your Bible or just give Jesus a chance. I'm like, have you even read my yeah. stuff? I'm in the let me tell you, you want to know who's, anyway, you know, I get a little salty about that, but, (laughs) um, but it's the same thing. It's this idea of like, do you see me or do you see that you need to be checking off the list? Here's the other thing though. I I do have, hmm, I do have a little bit of grace, I guess, because I think when you especially are operating out of the fear of hell, like what else are you supposed to do? Like that, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a giant, I do think trauma response. Witnessing is a giant Mm -hmm. trauma response for a (laughs) lot of people. And that is so sad. And that's, I think what's so beautiful about like what you're doing now, you are talking about themes that heal people, things that themes that are bringing people to a wholeness. And if you want to use the Christian needs, like an abundant life is like reorienting how you think about things. But you're not operating out of this fear of hell, like fear of them going to hell. Yeah. And it's just a really interesting shift to watch. And of course, it's not going to resonate with the people who are not in the in a similar paradigm right now. But I right. think there is a safety that comes when listening to your approach that invites people in, mm-hmm. but doesn't tell them that they need to yeah. do anything. And I think that's yeah. so beautiful. See, that's, that's like... I remember when I was in that like Christian space where I like was feeling like I had to evangelize all the time. The main motivation for me, like what I was taught was it's kind of your responsibility to make sure everybody like hears the good news. Mm. And so the responsibility is put all on the believers to save other people. And in my deconstruction, one of the main things was like, no, I as a human have full authority over my own life over my choices like I have the ability to govern my life well and so other people can have all their opinions or whatever but they're not me and that was like a big thing for me to learn and so that obviously applies to evangelizing but in my work now it applies to like this is my experience this is our experience like if you relate cool come along with us if you don't like it's not your experience that's totally fine too I'm at a place now in contrast to where I was before where I respect everybody's autonomy and ability to govern their lives, just like I have the ability to govern my own. So I'm not about to go telling everybody like, hey, the way you're living as a Christian is harmful to you. Like, no, if if something works for you and you're not harming anybody or like overstepping into other people's boundaries or or space or being condescending, like I fully respect differing beliefs because everybody has a brain and is able to take care of themselves the way that they need to be cared for and that's mm. the spirit Ugh, so christianese i know it <laughs> old habits die hard oh god um that that's that's the vibe i'm going for the vibe. in my in my work now <laughs> 
all right i love Spirit it vibe you know <laughs> that's right that's right yeah. well i love it and i think it's working and i think it's reaching people for sure thanks <laughs> what are we talking about the gospel or no <laughs> <laughs> here we go the gospel of self-love and self-compassion <laughs> which i would argue is uh, anyway, yes you know what? oh my god yeah I, right? I don't, we don't even have time to get into we the whole thing about even. how the teachings of Jesus are so different than yeah. the actual religion. It's but, like oh, we're God. heretics. Actually, I don't know that we are. Anyway, it's just such an interesting, the whole thing, this whole thing is yeah. such a paradox. And that's why I love that someone is kind of in the mess of the nuance and telling people like, hey, there's peace here. Yeah. <laughs> you can be at rest here. You are okay as you are here. That's, I think, one of yeah. the big messages that that is so powerful about what you do so okay as we finish up can you tell people where they can find you especially online maybe just online actually yeah just online okay you probably don't want them finding you <laughs> elsewhere this is my home address. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so i'm basically everywhere uh you can find me on instagram tiktok and youtube my username is alana don't wanna and I have t-shirts that say Alana don't wanna. So if you're feeling sassy and want to pretend your name is Alana, I also have a merch store um, that that can be found in the link in my bio on those different social media platforms. Um, I'm also on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, all the different music platforms. Um, I have more of my like older music on sites like Bandcamp and SoundCloud as well. If you feel like doing a good old deep dive, I have some... <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't say like Christian music, but like in the beginning of my deconstruction, when I didn't realize I was deconstructing yet, I wrote a few songs from like God's perspective and they're very like loving and accepting and like those are still up. Nice. Uh, and I also have some instrumental music stuff too. So like I have a bunch of stuff on uh, Bandcamp. I believe it's alanasabatini.bandcamp.com. So if you, you know, cover your bases there, <laughs> I'm all over the place. Oh, one more thing. I have a Discord server. And we've started a really cool little community over there. We've made, like, some great friends. And we talk about everything from deconstruction to, like, how cute our dogs or cats are. And we also play Minecraft together uh, once a week, if not more. So everyone's invited to join that as well. I'll, uh, Liz, I'll give you the link to that. Okay. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah. And your cats. Cats, plural, right? I get confused. Or is there I just one. one? Okay. One. Maybe I have someone else send me cats. I do love cats, and yours is especially cute. Nob Navi, yeah, right? I wish she was here right now. The first time we recorded this episode, oh, she yeah. came up and meowed like right at the beginning. But she's like, she's getting older now. Not like older, older, but she's like older kitten. Whereas when she was younger kitten, she was always all over me, always meowing. But yeah. now she's like taking a nap in the other room. She's but she would out. say hi if she was awake. If she was able to. Yeah. Well, you tell her hi from me, and I will. she won't know. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on the show, Alana. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me and for recording us again. This was really fun. It was fun. If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.